Hello and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, the NBA playoffs are heating up. We've got two crucial injuries in Phoenix and Milwaukee. The Boston Celtics are taking a 2 to nothing lead over the Brooklyn Nets. And Garrett Cole cannot get through two innings. What's going on with him? Have we found a pattern? for why he's been struggling so much. Shohei Otani is perfect through five innings, had a massive Babe Ruth-like appearance today in Major League Baseball. And Debo Samuel requests a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. What are the teams that make the most sense to pick him up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest. Out in Las Vegas, Nevada is Matt Morris, my co-host and friend. How are you doing, amigo? Happy 420. Here's a surprise for you, a little lighter up just for the camera. You know what I mean? What? (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm good. It's uh, This is the first week, I think, we have ran back-to-back-to-back days recording. Now, non-intentional, you know, for definitely the non-intentionally. We we only have released one episode this week, but that one episode we did record twice, which I think is actually kind of a benefit for us, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited, benefit man. For the listeners, definitely. I got to dive into a little bit of the uh, the defensive line, defensive ends tonight. I did a little research. I don't think we'll probably talk about all of them tonight. We'll probably get to a lot of them when we do our mock draft next week. But correct, um, there are, are a lot of players that I'm excited for, and I think in honestly changed the the foundation for defenses we got a lot of really strong defensive linemen defensive tackles coming into this class for sure and you know um the rush the rush ends and the edges it's kind of exciting overall i'm just excited about the draft um and it was funny i was watching the news today and it's kind of a bummer like i didn't think about this when the packers traded for uh the first and the second round pick for the raiders but the raiders are obviously hosting the draft as we've talked about and they don't have a draft pick till the third round. It's like kind of a total bummer for the Raiders having that here in Vegas because it's like, oh, ah, yeah. you're like the Rams kind of just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel that, but they got Devontae Adams, so they can kick rocks, you know? I like, mean, for I, sure. I, I, I do it's get what win. you're saying, though. Yeah. I do get what you're saying because it's all about the hype, right? The draft yes. day is always about the hype or disappointment, right? You're either one of two yep. things on draft night if you're a diehard football fan. Ecstatic about the future of your team, the future of your pick, or you're like, did we really just take Jordan Love in the first round over Patrick <laughs> Queen? Are you serious? Like, how did that happen? Right? Yeah. My girlfriend's like, oh, we just got Patrick Queen. She's a big Ravens fan. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> fuck us. Like, what, what, what are we doing are over we here? Doing? You know what I mean? Just people losing their mind, right? Did you see the Instagram post I sent you? Uh, it was yeah, the April yeah, Fool's yeah, joke. Yeah. So yeah. for the listener, I sent Matt this uh, this. April Fool's joke with that's floating around all over Instagram because, you know, clearly Instagram doesn't realize that after a April 1st, you know, hashtag is put on there that you should probably remove it or at least not put it on <laughs> for you pages. But it was the Packers sending Jordan Love in a third round pick to Seattle for DK Metcalf. And again, it was a joke, but I was like, you know what? I actually really like that for both teams. 
And I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen a Jordan Love trade yet because I personally think the value yeah. is still sky high. Again, he's like the same age as most of these quarterbacks coming out this year and sure. has started an NFL game and looked okay. Um, but, you know, again, we are getting closer to draft day. And, man, I, I still think we got about a week, you know, about seven, eight days. I still think there's a trade in the works before we see our first pick taken next Thursday. Yeah, I agree with you. And we're getting into our first segment here in a second, but it, it is really heating up. And I'm glad we went over kind of what the precedent is going to be set this year, because I really do think I agree with you. Something is going to happen now. Is it going to be Debo? I'm not sure. Is it going to be a lesser guy? Maybe. Is it going to be, you know, a quarterback? Is it going to be, hey, here are our two first round picks. We'll kind of kick the can down the line. Because um, don't forget, a lot of these bad teams with bad quarterbacks, I think this is something that, you know, the draft and all these mock drafts and NFL shows haven't been talking about is, you know, the quarterbacks next year are, are the cream of the crop. You know, losing this year, tanking this year, being a bad team, not that I support that at all, isn't the worst idea if you're not sure about Malik Willis, if you're not sure about Matt Corral, if you're not sure about Kenny Pickett, if you're not sure about insert quarterback, right? So I, I definitely think something's going to happen. I definitely think the precedent will be set this year, even more so than it has been with our guy Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. But to TBD, we'll get to our first topic here, which was the breaking news of the day. So it comes out around... I don't know, Matt, like lunchtime, 12 o'clock, maybe a little bit before, eh, a little bit before that Pacific time where we live, that Debo Samuel has requested a trade away from the San Francisco 49ers. As I said in the open, we talked at length about what kind of precedent is it going to send to the rest of the league for the rest of the league if guys like Debo, DK Metcalf, etc. do end up getting traded and you get paid $25 million after their first three years. Now, if you want to listen to that, go to the last episode. But what we want to talk about here is, okay, he's requested the trade. Now what, right? What teams realistically can get after Debo? What teams should trade for Debo? And what is his value? So Matt, we discussed this. We have our one team that's the obvious team. So let's go with the obvious team first, but then say the other team that you think could make a move. Okay, so the obvious team is not necessarily my number one team that I think should make the move. My Same. personal obvious choice, and I think we share this, is the Jets. Yep. Uh, word came out a few weeks ago that they were avidly pursuing a lot of free agents, and they just didn't land anybody. And and I think Tyreek. Yeah, and and I I think ultimately that's probably because you know players look at that organization at, with a lot of uncertainty right now. You know, coming off a rookie quarterback in his second year now, new head coach, new offensive coordinator with you know Matty Lafleur out there, his brother. Um, I I think that when you look at that perspective, I don't blame people for not wanting to sign there, but this is their opportunity yep. to make a splash. It's also their opportunity to give Wilson a weapon unseen in the NFL in generations. And I think they'd be willing, A, to pay him that $25 million a year. I think, B, Correct. they would be willing to take away the running back game probably completely from him because they've got some serviceable guys in that backfield. And then, honestly, think about what this does for your return on investment with Wilson being the, the pick you took. This cashes that in because even a moderate quarterback in Jimmy G was able to operate a successful offense 
with Debo Samuel as his weapon. That is my number one lock. I think the Jets have to pull out whatever they've got to pull out to go get Debo Samuel. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a no-brainer that the Jets should do it. Now, do I think they should give up the 10th pick? No, not at all. I, I do not think Debo Samuel's worth your 10th pick. But if they can somehow pull off, I think they're somewhere, obviously, in the in the early 30s. And I think they have a pick in the 40s, if I'm not mistaken, Matt. If you can pull off Debo for those two second-round picks, obviously, plus Done. the 23 to $26 million contract, whatever the hell he's going to warrant, uh, I think that that is the no-brainer. Right. So I, I I totally agree with you, but obviously not for the 10th, but for those other picks. Now, the team that I think makes the most sense uh, as far as compensation wise, uh, the only thing that doesn't make sense about it is it is an NFC team. No, I'm sorry. My beautiful Green Bay Packer fans like myself it is not us. But I, I do think a team like the Philadelphia Eagles would actually make a lot of sense monetarily as well as draft capital. Um, I know they're in the teens in the first round. They have two picks in the teens. Uh, I think early 20s, actually, since they traded that pick uh, with the Saints. But if you can get Debo for that second first round pick, I do think you should do it. And I feel that same way for a team like the Packers. I just don't think the Niners, the Niners aren't stupid as well. Like they don't need to trade Debo Samuel. They don't have to just because he said I want to doesn't mean they have to. I don't think they would trade him to a contender like they wouldn't trade him to Aaron Rodgers, right? Would they trade him to Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and the Eagles? I think so. Well, and it also kind of makes up for that Jalen Rieger pick. You know, they took Rieger a pick over Justin Jefferson there in Minnesota. And you finally get the weapon that you need. You can finally gauge is Jalen Hurts the answer, right? Like this would be the year having Smith, having Debo. If you can't get it done, you're out. There's no way around it. This is it. Um, and my my most obvious team here, at least for what needs would be met, it's a little different than yours. I love the Eagles pick, but I'm actually going to go with the Saints here. I think if they could find a way Saints, to give up, really, yeah, with that to money give up, to give up next year's pick, uh, because cap hell is that they're in it right now. You just push that yeah. money down down the road, right? You you back end his deal, and you draft with that pick they got from the Eagles. You draft one of our guys. You draft Ritter. You draft Corral. You go and you get your guy your rookie quarterback so that money is now spaced out right five years of rookie contract you can pay Debo that money down the road and you give him Michael Thomas and Debo Samuel you give him the absolute best shot to win right away because this is a win now team they've got Cam Jordan right they've got the cornerback out there who they just paid as well like this is a defense ready to win Lattimore thank you Um, I think you need one more weapon though to, to even compete in the playoffs in the NFC right now. And that weapon, stealing him from the the Niners, who you will play in the playoffs, putting him on your roster, would be a massive upgrade here. Um, And I think Michael Thomas would also be elevated because you'd have two slot receivers that can play at a high level, opening the door. Well, don't forget about Kamara too, obviously, right? That just opens the door for him even more. I, I I feel you there. And I think ultimately when you're looking at investing in a first-round quarterback, you've got to put the right weapons around him to be successful right away. But the biggest takeaway from this in the Saints idea is their defense doesn't have a lot of time left. They're going to need pass rushers. They're going to need interior defensive linemen. Like This is it. Their window is two years, and it's crazy to say that. But the money will be able to be shelled up in a couple of years where you can kind of refill that defense. Now's the time to get your offensive weapon while Kamara is still in his prime, while Thomas is still in his prime. That's a question mark, of course. Um, but Eagles and Saints, I'd like both opportunities. At the end of the day, I don't think he goes anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he goes too many places either. I just can't. 
I wish I, I, I fully understood like the salary cap. I get it. Right. But it is a little bit more complicated than just the basic math of what's the cap. Where do I need to be? Why can't I go over? Like, it, it's not that simple, even though it's somewhat is when you're playing Madden. Right. Like, but in real <laughs> life, it's a little different. Um, what about the Chiefs, though, Matt? I, I know we talked about it earlier. Do you do you think the Chiefs are out of the question? Do you think they have what it takes to put it there? Once again, the mon- if, if the money doesn't, they have more money than New Orleans. So if that's not necessarily the question, could you see San Francisco sending him to a competitor like that? That's my thing is I don't think Lynch. I think they sent him to Cleveland. So right? I, I texted you, Chiefs, and then like after really thinking about it, I was like, okay, use your head, Matt. They didn't want to pay Tyreek 30. Okay, why would they pay Debo twenty yeah, five? That's, that's a valid point. right. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah, it, it just it didn't even I come to you. my mind when I texted you that Chiefs are a logical fit because they are. But yeah. again, coming from a team spending fifty million dollars of their cap space on their quarterback, right. they didn't want to spend thirty on a wide receiver. It would make no sense to just swap them out because personally, as much as I love Debo Samuel and his age, I think that offense is better fit with Hill and that downfield constant, you know over the top of the defense, opening things up for for Patrick. Um, so no, I'm going to take the Chiefs out of this equation for me. I just think for them it comes down to money. And if it were about you know money, they would have just kept Hill. Now we've officially gotten into the third games of the NBA playoffs here. And we've had some catastrophic things happen, you know, after the first game, it was pretty straightforward, right? Like all the favorites were going to go there. Memphis didn't look good, but now after their second game, they blew out um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, excuse me, by a lot. Uh, Milwaukee ran through Chicago. The Suns look like the best team on the planet and the Golden State Warriors are all the way back as we discussed in the last podcast. Now we're here at the end of 420. We're ticking into 421 here. Um, the Suns and the Bucks are in trouble, Matt. Devin Booker's going to miss game three and four came out of the last game as, as they lose to the New Orleans Pelicans after Brandon Ingram drops 37, nine and 11, bro. Went off on them. Looked great. Um, didn't look like he was participating in 420, you know? Um, but at the end of the day here, Matt, we have really big news in the NBA, right? Like are the Bucks, the Bucks and the, the Suns, Three days ago were the betting favorites to come out of the East and the West. Chris Middleton goes down for Milwaukee. He has a sprained MCL. We were both talking about it. He's probably at four weeks. Booker's out at least game three, game four. So now, what's next? What happens? Can the Suns and Bucks get back? Or is it time to start looking at some of these other teams? I think the Bucks. I watched the end of the game tonight, and Chris obviously had been hurt, so he wasn't playing. And we talked about this at length. I'll make it short for you, the listener. They looked fine without Chris against the Bulls. I'm really sorry, Bulls fans. It's just not going to be your year. Uh, we <laughs> talked about this last po- episode too. Like you just got started. You just brought everybody together. They had a nice win tonight, but they almost lost because Milwaukee finally turned on the switch and said, okay, we're going to play basketball. And Milwaukee had some really bad mental mistakes at the end of that game. Couldn't grab a rebound to save their lives. I think Milwaukee's able to get past the Bulls without Chris. The question is, who do they play in the second round? And can they have the same team chemistry to get them around to the final Eastern Conference you know, matchup there? I think if they can get to the Eastern Conference matchup, we will see Chris back. 
But the question is, are you playing the Celtics, who are absolutely just playing on an elite level right now against Brooklyn? Um, that would scare me, right? Because that young elite athleticism is going to drive the Bucks crazy because, you know, Drew and Chris aren't the young guns anymore, right? They're getting up there into the end of their prime years. Um, so that scares me a little bit. Milwaukee's kind of a wait and see. I want to see how they look the rest of the series against the Bulls. I am guaranteeing that they get past the Bulls. Uh, the okay. Heat, the Celtics, these are hard matchups in the second round, though. Uh, the 76ers as well. As far as Devin Booker, I think the Suns are going to be okay. You're going to touch on this in a minute. We don't expect Chris Ball to elevate himself to being a 30-point-per-game guy. I do have faith in the supporting cast, though, uh, especially in this first round. And I think Devin, with his age, You've mentioned hamstrings are an issue. You've had hamstring injuries yourself. I have not yet in life, but I think Booker probably with his conditioning will be okay for the second round. He should be able to baby that and hopefully back to full strength for the Western Conference Finals. Uh, but again, man, injuries happen. We saw it to Brooklyn last year. It changes the entire complexion of a team as well as a playoff series. And this is this is why you have depth. You know, This is why you have the guys on your bench that can carry you. So those are question marks. Yeah, with Devin Booker in Phoenix, yeah, I, I am actually really concerned. Um, the knee injuries are scary, like we're seeing with Chris Middleton, but the problem I have with the hamstring, what makes me super nervous about it for for my for our guy D Book, man, is all it takes is one more tweak and he's done for the playoffs. You know, like that's all it takes, right? He can be back, he could feel good, and all it takes is one misstep, one hard plant, one quick sprint. And boom, you pull it, you tear it, whatever. And it's going to take a month minimum to just start feeling good again. And you don't have a month when it comes to the playoffs, right? Um, I, I, that's what I'm most nervous about. Now, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, my big question is, who's going to step up, right? I'm not worried about Chris Paul. I'm not. He's a playoff legend. You know, he can get under my skin. He bothers me a lot, let's be honest. But he's a player. He can play. He's great. I'm not worried about him. So, Aiton. It's time. Cam Johnson, it's time. Mikhail Bridges signed this massive contract in the offseason. It is time. If you're going to rely on Cam Payne, no disrespect to Cam. I like him. He's a good player. But he cannot be the guy that fills in for Booker. I am putting the pressure on Bridges and Cam Johnson. I want to see those boys come out and play. Now, I like Bridges. I like Cam Johnson. That's why I'm saying that. I think they can do it. I think they can hold up their end of the bargain score 15 to hopefully 20 each each game coming through here for new orleans and i'd say probably game one and game two of next series at least game one and if that is the case they can hold up their end of the bargain to get to the western conference finals to play golden state now with milwaukee and i want to make this abundantly clear chris middleton is one of the most underrated players in all of basketball Last year, when Giannis gets his knee injury in game two or three of that Eastern Conference Finals against Atlanta, I think it was game three, they lose, the sky is falling, Milwaukee will always let you down, Wisconsin sports, here we go again, right? That's what all of us are thinking. What man put the team on his back? It was Chris Middleton. You know, he's not the flashiest player, not the sexiest player out there on the court, but he hits big shots, he's a great three-point shooter, plays average to above average defense and he's a baller he is an nba all pro all-star olympian he's a great player so now it's time for the bucks Giannis, pat Connaughton, grayson allen even though i don't like him it is time to show hey 
We can fill the void. Our guy is out a month. Middleton's out four weeks. Easy. Let's get to the Eastern Conference Finals and have him back. And if they can't, I really, really want people to start putting some respect on Middleton's name because he is super underrated and he's a massive reason they won that championship. And I really think people are going to see that I'm nervous as hell for Milwaukee. Yeah, and I just, the last thing I want to say, because I don't want to harp on Milwaukee too much here. Um, first round, I'm taking the best player. It's Giannis. No, I'm uh, cool, but the first round, because next round, and I didn't mention this, sorry to interrupt you, is that it is Brooklyn or Boston. And mm-hmm. if they run into the buzzsaw that is Boston right now, without Chris Middleton, I like I am nervous. If, if Boston can keep this intensity, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, yeah, and man, right now as it stands, I do not think Milwaukee has what it takes without Chris to beat the Celtics. I agree. Um, I, th- I think the way Brooklyn's looking, we might be able to beat them, but I do not want to say that because they are our kryptonite, right? Yeah, Chris um, is valuable, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, Chris is incredibly valuable, but I think truthfully Giannis has what it what it takes. We saw this last year to elevate himself to becoming another form of elite in these games where he needs to be. The problem is, can he do it for five, six, seven games against the Celtics or Brooklyn without Chris? And does this force Chris to come back for that series? You know, you talked about this off the air. Giannis had the same injury last year, came back. Chris is a guard shoot like, you know, shooting forward, much different reliability on those knees to have ball carrier ability, ball handling. Um, I'm worried, but at the end of the day, man, again, this is playoff basketball. You either find a way to win or you don't. And I will say that about the Bucs and the Suns. You know, unfortunately for Brooklyn last year, they ran into this and they couldn't overcome it. They almost did, though. So we'll see what happens for both of these teams. So we did have another all-time classic in Boston tonight, Matt. Kyrie got booed. Him and KD went, I think, two for 17 in the second half. Kevin Durant goes 0 for 10 in the fourth quarter. Um, the Boston Celtics are, they, the Warriors are the hypest team right now. I think the Celtics are the hottest team in basketball right now after two games in the playoffs, right? We got a lot to go. Um, I picked this series to go to seven. I got Brooklyn winning in seven. I still think this series goes to seven, but... I'm telling you this right now. If Boston can steal one of these next two games in Brooklyn, Matt, they're winning the series in five. 100%. Brooklyn must tie the series, leaving their home their home turf, their home court, whatever you want to call it, right? Or else they are dead, in my opinion. So is the pressure all the way on Brooklyn? Fuck yeah, 100%. Well, and, and here we get to see what Brooklyn has at home. Brooklyn has led in both games. That's what's really Correct. concerning for me for them. And it's honestly encouraging for Boston because Boston just continues to fight, right? They haven't Literally. had the kill shot in either game. They fought their way all the way back. This is just building that confidence. It's building that momentum and the energy, which is so crucial in the playoffs, right? This is what changes the entire landscape of playoff favorites is when a team just becomes confident. And the talent goes with that. And I think we're seeing that from Boston as well. The interesting thing here will be what happens when they go to when they go to Brooklyn, right? Does that confidence get subdued a little bit? Can Brooklyn blow them up by 30 in a game and reset this playoff series where, hey, it's yeah. 2-2 now, right? We're in neutral ground. Okay, now that the momentum has stopped, now that the regular season hype and, and momentum has stopped as well because Boston had a great end of the season, now they can really duel it out. Um, give it up to Tatum. He has just continued to elevate his game 
Brown and Tatum have found a way to work together finally that is finally showcasing an idea that, hey, these guys can be special together. And then Smart's defense, I think that's completely underrated. Obviously, he won Defensive Player of the Year, but what he's able to do in this series right now is really frustrating Brooklyn. And they've got to come up with some answers while going home. This They cannot allow Boston to continue to stifle them, especially in the second half. This is two games in a row where Boston has been able to come back and make that surge and win a game. When you have the two top five players in the league, you should be the ones making that final shot, making the shots down the end that solidify your win. And we're just not seeing that because of Boston's defense. Yeah, I've never seen KD on his ass so much. It's been a long time since I've seen him physically beat down like he missed a lot of open shots that he should have taken but if you're watching the entirety of the game like I mean if they're fouling him they're fouling him and it's not dirty you know they're fouling him though they're putting him on his ass they're running into him they're challenging him and to his credit he's playing his ass off on defense right now I think we're really seeing some of their liabilities as a team on defense and uh, your boy I don't know if you saw this Matt allegedly he'll be back game four so um, ben Simmons, who is who I'm talking mm. about. Uh, apparently, he will be back game four. Now, this is a whole other can of worms, and we're not going to get into it on this segment here because if he does come back, we'll talk about it. But I don't even think he's enough, man. Like, KD is their best rim protector. Drummond doesn't have what he used to have down low, right? You were kind of high on him on the trade. He's a solid asset, but he's not the guy he was three to five years ago. I like Nick Claxton as well. He's really nice off the bench. He's a little scrawny and undersized as far as the physical ability. Like KD is their best rim protector, in my opinion. And uh, that that's not a recipe for success, right? And what the new coach has done over there in Boston, empowering Marcus Smart on a contract year, by the way, Matt. So he's cashing out. And you hit the nail on the head. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both played below average today but they hit shots down the stretch specifically uh, excuse me jalen brown hit the dagger to end it and that is showing and they look like the hungriest team right now in the playoffs it's been two games right this is a little bit overreaction monday morning football or monday morning coach but they look like the hungriest team right now the boston celtics well, and you said this to me while we were just on the phone kind of prepping for the podcast tonight. You know, Milwaukee last year looked like the worst team in the NBA in the playoffs, and then they Correct. won the championship. Like, it's early. So I, I'm very happy for Boston. I love what I'm seeing so far. Um, I love that the Pelicans got a win the other day. Hey, it's wild. Let's, let's get this to game four. Happy and for, I'm honest, I'm happy for Chicago. To, yeah, to your point. absolutely. Like, they, absolutely. They're a nice team. Came into Milwaukee, got a victory. This will build on their confidence for next year. Heck, maybe they beat Milwaukee. I highly doubt it. You know, I did guarantee the Bucks win, but this is playoff basketball. This is the games that I like to watch because they're finally playing for something. Um, and honestly, to the point about Tatum and Brown being a little bit cold, there's been a lot of inconsistency from a lot of players in the first couple of games. And that that's why we talk about these in series formats Correct. because it changes game to game, right? We could see Brooklyn blow the Celtics out. We can make, we can, they could be look terrible next game and we'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, you know, having a series recap is really where you start to see what, what went right, what went wrong. And if Brooklyn loses, we're going to really have to evaluate what are they going to do next season? Because they have the team right now. They have the two top five players in the world. You can't possibly lose to Boston, but again, momentum matters in the playoffs. Well, and, and this is what happens when you create super teams. We, we've talked about that a million times, Not right? Like, super teams. Correct. And you look at Boston, homegrown, all of them, right? Like 
All of them. Hundred percent. Their draft Golden picks State. Their development. Like the Bucks. Same thing. I know Drew. Drew was a trade for a piece, but like this is this is the difference in the NBA. And I, I I said it last year when Milwaukee won. I said this is going to start being the trend, right? Like teams are going to develop in house, or they're going to sign free agents, and they're going to build these you know moderately good players like the Bulls have into a foundation of success. Correct. correct. And I, that is the NBA I want to see. So as much as I hate the Boston Celtics and have my entire life, I'm rooting for them because I want to see success from an organization right. that has said, hey, we are going to stick and develop our players. That's what I want. Yeah. And also the super team is easier when you have LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it, once again, we're a little off topic here, but... You have LeBron James as the guy heading your super team. like, And this is LeBron five years ago, six years ago, seven years. This isn't 38-year-old LeBron. You have LeBron coming to head your super team. It's different yep. than even Kevin Durant Katie? in yep. all his greatness. Because yep. his super team was Steph, Clay, and Draymond's team. You know? Yep. Like, he's formed his super team now. And that's why you picked them to have the most pressure on them in the playoffs. Like... This is your chance to like, hey, you picked this team, bro. One guy wanted to leave, and you guys just can't get it done against the homegrown Celtics. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of time, but like, it's not LeBron James. Well, like, and LeBron is different. It shows how great he. I was is. just gonna say that. It you know, shows, like it shows how really good he is, man. Like it's crazy. Yeah. He, he, you know, and that was the last thing crazy. I was gonna say is. In 20 years, we'll talk about this and we'll say, yeah. man, look what LeBron did when he teamed up and look what KD did when he teamed up. Now, KD teamed up in Golden State with four Hall of Famers. A guy right? a guy yeah. playing on an... Clay and Steph were on an ungodly yeah. run at yeah. that time. Both of them. And Steph, obviously, even more so than Clay, Clay Thompson. So back to the diamond, Matt. We've talked about this being a lot. Southern California's finest, Garrett Cole. Um goes one was it one and third or one and two thirds the other day? Uh one and two thirds. One and two thirds. We can't even get it out of the first, second inning. Um, this is now three starts in a row. He's gotten blown up. We talked about it a few podcasts ago about like maybe it wasn't the spring training. You loved that his fastball was still there, but his off speed and his other control was just gone. So the question now isn't what is wrong with Garrett Cole? Cause I feel like we answered that a few podcasts ago. Now what I really want to dive into here is what is Garrett Cole? What are we seeing as far as the trends here? And like, can he now evolve his pitching and evolve his game here as one of the best starting pitchers in the MLB to finally be productive and be the guy that the Yankees need him to be or else they're not making the playoffs this year. Correct. I'm glad you asked that because I have some statistical data that I'm going to toss at you and I'm going to compare it to his elevated, you know, potential Cy Young season of 2019 and his very good season of 2018. You and I talked today. I really believe spider tech is a big attribute for his lack of control, which I think is his biggest issue right now. He's fourth in the league with average fastball velocity at 97.8 miles an hour. One of the players above him is a reliever for the Minnesota twins. I don't really count him. Uh, The other is Hunter Green. 
And then the other kind of slips my mind at the moment, but he's top four. I mean, his fastball's there, and I've seen it personally in his starts. He's still got it. The problem is the command. He's missing pitches low in the zone on the corners that he would normally dot that are currently out of the zone balls. He had five walks against the Detroit Tigers just a couple of days ago where he lasted an inning and you know the third. Um, and he walked a guy with the bases loaded. That's not something an ace does. Just had absolute terrible command. So we're going to look at his numbers from 2019 real quick. His XBA was top three in the league at 0.81. Impressive, extremely impressive. His X slug was top four in the league at 0.315. And his Woba was top four in the league with 0.246. I'm going to compare these numbers again. We're going to look at 2021. Hold on real quick. So for the casual, like, what does that mean, though? Like, what, what, what are those? What, what are those stats? So you're going to look at these numbers and these are the underlying, this is the new ERA, the new whip, whip, the X slug, the X will, but this is going to identify a player's ability without his defense. And then you're going to take walks out of the equation as well. So it's essentially how good is he, is he against hard contact? How good is he against the overall concept of uh, barrel rate and exit velocity? So this is really taking a picture and saying, can he make the batter? Bad. Basically, basically make bad contact or Correct. obviously strike out. Okay. Now we talked about with Vladdy the other day, like I'm okay with him giving up two home runs and a double to Vladimir Guerrero because it's Vladimir Guerrero, but even right. the aces, the DeGroms of the world, they should be able to nullify those hitters. So when you look at X, uh, BA and X slug, ultimately those Vladdy's contact is going to elevate his numbers. That's why we're not going to use the 2022 numbers for Cole because it's just not enough, enough of a sample three size. starts too. Yeah, correct. We're going to look at 2021 where spider tech he had for about a third of the year. So in comparison to his best season, his uh, best season was 0.181 for his X uh, BA last year was a 0.209, not terrible, big difference, not top 4% of the league, you know, enough where he's still an ace. You look at his X slug, the 0.315 in 2019 last year was at a 0.39, uh, uh, 0.69. Decent amount of an increase there. That's concerning. Again, X slug is going to go for the home runs. Cole had a big problem with home runs last year. And again, it was because his spin rate was down and his contact was up. Uh, again, the lack of control. And then finally, you're going to look at the, the WOBA. That really goes into you know walks, contact rate, velocity. His WOBA from 2019 was a 0.246. Again, 4% in the league. Last year was at a 0.276. So not a huge difference for Garrett Cole. What we're seeing this season is extreme high elevations in his first three starts. Uh, you know, ex-WOBA at a 0.256, ex-slug <laughs> at a 0.527. I mean, we're talking bad. Massive um, increase. Massive yeah. increase. And then his WOBA at a 0.373. So these underlying numbers, they will stabilize. My thing is, I don't think they're ever going to get back to even 2021 ratios because he had spider tech. You kind of said this to me when we were on the phone. You said you wanted to lean more on his fastball. I need him to find a way to get his zip back on the slider. The fastball is there. The velocity is there. The problem is if all you can do is throw your fastball, guys are going to sit on it. The Devers, the Vlads, the Bobichets. Inside that division alone, he's going to get eaten alive by good hitters yeah. with that fastball. And he's got to learn to get the secondary stuff back in the equation. Um, I'm concerned about Cole. I'm not willing to write him off. I said this to you as well. I'm starting to think possibly it's also weather. It was really cold and nasty in Detroit the other day. Uh, he, again, he's playing in New York, so a colder climate on the East Coast takes a while to warm up. Coming from Houston where he had Verlander, you know, he had the master of spider tech, the master of substances. <laughs> but it was a warmer environment. With a warmer environment, you automatically have better control and better grip of the ball. 
I want to see Garrett Cole in May and June. If we're still seeing some of these issues, we're talking about a guy in Garrett Cole that could fall outside my top 30 starting pitchers. I think that's got to be a massive concern for the Yankee fans. Like, all right, you're terrible at the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of the year, right? You dominate the rest of the season, but look at last year in the wild card game. He got ran out in the first inning. Or was it the second inning? First two innings, he got ran out of Boston. They're chanting his name. He was crying. They're hitting bombs, man. Like, maybe you do find your location. Maybe you do figure out that slider, like you're saying. But if it's 35, even 55 degrees in Boston, in New York, in anywhere on the East Coast, like, and you can't rely on your $40 million, $45 million pitcher, dude, that's a problem. I mean, I hope that's not the issue, but if that is, I mean, the Yankees are, they're doomed because that's their guy. You can't have him not pitching a game seven, right? You, you, you There's no way they bring in someone else over Cole for a game seven, right, Matt? Well, you, we, we brought this comparison up again over the phone today. I said to you, this is like Dak Prescott just going out there and laying an egg. Oh, wait, what did Dak Prescott do this year, right? You are only as good as your quarterback, and the Yankees quarterback is Garrett Cole. It's nice to say Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Josh Donaldson, you know, That's are Zeke good Elliott, hitters. baby. 100%. <laughs> but Garrett Cole is the guy in Game 7 that takes the mound and gets you eight innings of one-run ball with 11, 12 strikeouts. That's right. what you pay him $45 million 100%. to do. That's what you pay Dak Prescott to do is go out in the playoffs and throw for 350, 400 yards and ride you, you into the next round. slide on fourth down or on, you know, with 10 seconds left in the game. Absolutely. You don't do stupid like, shit. So Garrett Cole has to figure this out because he's he is too good to not figure this out. There has to be a way for him. You said it. Get him some goddamn hand warmers. Whatever it is, he's got to figure it out because <laughs> for real. he's got you know X amount of years left on this deal. He has way too much talent to be having issues because of environmental weather, because of a lack of you know control or grip on the baseball without spider tech. He's too good. He's got to either change his grip on the slider, change his grip on the cutter. He's got to find some tweaks to become a better pitcher. Because if guys like Logan Gilbert in Seattle can change the grip and add five miles of velocity on their slider and a ton of bite, Garrett Cole, you can do it too. I just don't want to hear any bitching and complaining about how this is affecting you or how that is affecting you. Because as it stands today, you are slowly losing Yankee fans trust. No doubt. I mean, how could you not? Another really high-profile MLB player that was stumbling out the gates a little bit, had to go back to CPR school, resuscitate his <laughs> bat, resuscitate himself on the mound, was your boy, Shohei Otani, right? I mean, the, oh, yeah. my new-ish boy, right? I'm buying into the Otani hype 100%. Uh, he was perfect through six and a third today? At five least and a six. Third. Five, five and, a third. and a third today. Yeah, oh, into the third. six. That's right. Yep. He, he was He was perfect. Into the sixth inning today, the Houston Astros had struck out 12 times and they started to try and bunt to get out of the perfect game. Like, <laughs> that's how shook they were. So, a guy similar to Cole, like, I was already texting you talking shit, right? I was like, oh, vintage Otani after his last start, giving up a grand slam, I think five runs in roughly three and a half, four innings. I could be off by a little bit. And I'm like, here we go, Matt, vintage Otani, bro. He's fucking back. The one year was a fluke. I'm all team Babe Ruth right here. Like, he's not better than Otani, you know, or he is better than Otani, right? Um, so, so my question is for you is, is uh, a, is this the guy that you expect to see the rest of the season and will Otani ever be able to go a complete game or unlike what the Dodgers or uh, like, like what the Dodgers did in taking Kershaw out, 
is Otani going to be like, hey, man, you might be perfect. You may be having a no-hitter, but you're at 103 pitches, pal. Like, we're going to have to reel you in because we also need you to hit leadoff and carry us on <laughs> offense because Mike Trout might have broke his nail in pregame warm-up. So I'm not sure if he can play today. Oh, my God. That's amazing. For those Shout of you that haven't checked, fans. checked out our TikTok, you got to check out our Mike Trout our takes. Talk, people yeah. are on fire over us. Um, so l- listen with Otani. This is, this is going to be a little complicated, but I'll try to simplify it. He's going to have blow-up games. It's going to happen. When you play the amount of games Otani does, you can't guarantee that every time he goes on the mound, he's going to pitch like Jacob deGrom or like Shohei Otani today. He has the ability to go out any single game and strike out almost any batter he faces. His pitch arsenal is absolutely disgusting. Problem is, he gave up the grand slam, gives up a couple hits, gives up a home run, right? Like, This is just kind of how it happens when you are a fatigued player that also hits every single game. But what I expect from Otani is three, four, five starts in a row to be very, very good, then have a hiccup. Continue the trend all season long. He's had Tommy John, so for the most part, unless he has a shoulder injury, which would be very concerning to me, I think he's going to be okay. Um, but ultimately what Otani did today, two for three, you know, five and two thirds, I think it was, I mean, that's uh, the baby that that's the Babe Ruth of baseball today. Like 100%. when you see the shit on TikTok or Twitter or wherever, like Shohei Otani is the Babe Ruth of 2022. Like you pull up the tape from today, you pull up Correct. the tape from 420, like straight up, like you really do, because there is not a human on the earth right now that can do what he's doing. Well, and it's not only like doing what he's doing, like. It's his pure ability. When you watch his pitch, his pitch sequence, when you watch the break on that splitter or that slider. He's fucking filthy, dude. It's the best he's pitch. Filthy. He's got two of the best pitches in all the game. His slider and his splitter might be in the top three, top five in all the game. DeGrom's fastball might be number one because it's absolutely disgusting. It's so, so fast and the spin rate's incredible. But I expect Otani to continue this season. I picked him as Cy Young because this is the pitcher I knew the Angels were getting when they right. signed him out of Japan. I I saw his games in Japan. <laughs> this was the shit I saw. It was, it was unhittable. So the problem, and I'll address the last thing that you asked here before you go ahead, with pitching a complete game is actually the fact that he's so nasty. The more strikeouts he racks up, the more pitches within a sequence and an at-bat he adds to his pitch total, the harder it will be for him to actually go nine innings. So today, through five innings, when I was texting you about this game, he had only thrown 60 pitches. But then he ran into the the bunt, the attempted bunt. You know, fought, um, Nico Goodrum fought him off a few times. Now you're at 67 pitches. You know, got the next guy out. Now there's a base hit. Okay, now you're at 71 pitches. You haven't even got out of the sixth inning. Now the manager, Joe Madden, starting to think, like you said, well, man, I need Otani tomorrow. Like, perfect game's gone. We're going to pull him, right? Well, if he didn't have 11 strikeouts into the fifth inning and he had only thrown 46 pitches because he's relying on his defense and That's his valid. splitter, we could see him pitch a full game. So as Otani develops and continues his career and has more experience at the pro level being Major League Baseball, I want to see him utilize that splitter for more contact. Right now, he's really using it <laughs> he's as just a put away pitch. swing and miss, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, just whiff, you know, whiff city. So, man, Otani's a very, very young, experienced Major Leaguer. He's 27, 28. I, I want to see this kid once he's fully developed because we may – have not even scratched the surface of what Shohei Otani really is. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the podcast. We've got basically a full week of NFL draft previews, our top picks for these upcoming 2022 drafts. So uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Follow us on 
Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at PitcherBetPod. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers.